Welcome to another episode of Small Talk, Small Government with Bill and Deb. Hey, Bill. Hello. Hey. This is our 12th episode, and we're talking about the climate crisis. Crisis, air quotes. Uh, <laughs> it's a crisis, all right, but is, it, is the climate the crisis or is what it's doing the crisis? Um, this, it, it, it feels like Groundhog Day or deja vu in a way because I was thinking about going into this episode and the way the last couple that we've that we've done have touched on it so much and a lot of times we've dragged some some conversation out of those podcasts because we thought well let's let's like save that for a real climate episode mm-hmm, and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it takes me back to the COVID days it's like it, it's it's it was impossible then to talk about anything going on without talking about the way the COVID tentacles. We're in everything, you know, same thing now. It's like you you can't talk about anything going on. Uh, Everything we've talked about lately, there's this climate aspect to it. So it's it's like I feel like we've been talking about it forever, which which irritates me because there are so many other more important things to be discussing. But that's exactly the nature of this obsessive driving narrative that that is permeating everything uh, you know, it's like what, whatever is the next crisis to go on to. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about how this is changing uh, public perception and how it's, uh, you know, driving policy. And in, in, t- in thinking about that, I wanted to, you know, kind of have an intro that was about, well, what actually is the climate policy that like our administration has? What is his goal? What is happening? You know? So I just happened to go on and I, I went back to his campaign material. And I, I, I just, when we talk about crisis, I want to put you through the pain of, of me uh, reading this short paragraph. I'll make it quick. You want to talk about a crisis. He says, from coastal towns to rural farms to urban centers, climate change poses an existential threat. Not just to our environment, but to our health, our communities, our national security, and our economic well-being. It also damages our communities with storms that wreak havoc on our towns and cities and our homes and schools. It puts our national security at risk by leading to regional instability that will require U.S. military-supported relief activities and could make areas more vulnerable to terrorist activities. Oh, doom and gloom right there. That, that's quite a paragraph. So then, you know, then he, Joe Biden knows there's no greater challenge facing our country and world. That's why he's outlining a bold plan, a clean energy revolution to address this grave threat and lead the world in addressing the climate emergency. Oh, so yeah, like, he's, I'm, he's I'm, on I'm, it. Yeah, like, oh, oh, well, we better get right on it. So I'm looking at that and I'm like, well, that, it's just like, it's a bunch of words put together. Let's make it yeah. sound as scary as possible, but then also really quaint, you know, our homes, our schools, our communities, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, to me, the obsession of it is what drives me nuts. And, you know, just the constant cramming of it down, you know, and, and when you yeah. know, as, as you'll get into later, the science does not support this obsession. And actually, the, the pain that the public is feeling because of this shift that they're trying to force is far worse. Yeah, um, yeah. So one thing that happened this week uh, that was was like, I, I think they've they've called it the most cringeworthy uh activity of this week was bill gates did you see the bill gates video where he's singing about uh genetically modified corn oh yeah oh that that was horrible yeah i I, yeah what's going on there i mean so many weird like layers to it you know so you're 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 lip syncing as a child are you are you trying what 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 is that? I, I didn't understand that particular marketing aspect of the video. But anyway, yeah, I didn't understand that either. The whole thing it, is is yeah. It just I, I don't know who came up with that idea and approved it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but so you know we we talked touched on this on a couple of times that we've talked. Uh, Bill Gates and China are buying up our farmland like uh, at alarming rates. And to me, that sounds scary and a problem for national security. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see the national security threat the same way Biden does, you know. So 
this was a really startling fact that I found. Gates, as of last January, January 2021, was the largest farmland owner in the U.S. with 242,000 acres in 18 states. Wow. So, yeah, that's, I mean, like, that's significant. Yeah, I, I, and I, I want to look into it now. It, it makes me curious. Well, how much does China own? And I mean, the, the whole fact that China is even able, or any country is able to come here and purchase our land, uh, is startling in itself. But, yeah. Um, so Bill Gates is dabbling in this genetically modified seed to grow corn at uh, higher temps and drier climates in Africa, and, and and I don't exactly understand why that would be. We can grow corn here. Many mm-hmm. parts of the world grow corn quite easily. But yet we are placed under these restrictions and there's no investment. Farming is being stifled. Bill Gates is buying farmland. Obviously, he doesn't intend to farm it. I guess yep. he wants to make farming happen in Africa. You I know, guess so. Anything to make anywhere else more prosperous seems to be what their aim is, you know? Mm. Um, so... And he's all Bill Gates has been all over Africa for a while. He's got, you know, all kinds of tentacles out there with his foundation and and doing God knows what he does out there. But so there's that 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 I found disturbing. Mm -hmm. And here's a, a yeah, here's a wonderfully disturbing one in Australia where we know that there are, you know, the, the Aboriginal uh, Australians and things like that, very different culture, different people. They ate bugs, things like that. So now it seems like they're using Australia as like uh, the poster child or the, um, you know, the experimental grounds to normalize and expand bug eating. Maybe they think that that would be a reason that Australians would be more into it. I mean, they sure hmm. did use Australia as the beginning with all the insane covid restrictions and the camps and you know uh all that stuff but so in australia i I found an article directly out of australia indicating that a thousand schools there are serving bugs to children so again normalizing indoctrinating young yeah reason being bugs take less land to farm and their 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 idea is that meat farming is bad mm. for the environment, worsening climate change. But uh, making cookies with cricket wheat is fine, I guess. Yeah. And so uh, it was- and, All right. It, yeah. And talk about <laughs> another cringe moment. I mean, I'm reading this article and they're asking the kids, what do you think? And let me see. Can I do an Australian accent? You like those chips there? Can, can those chips, do they taste? They taste just like chips, don't they? They're not like a cricket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to cut that, that really out. If you want. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about the the change in fertilizer and you know what's allowed, what's not allowed in our Sri Lanka episode, and more about how ESG basically collapsed their their government and also is doing the same to the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Yet Canada is beginning to adopt the same type of restrictions. And again, we've talked about before, but it, it, it bears repeating. They tell us that food shortage and crisis are coming is the idea that we have to starve and eat bugs to save the planet, which is just a little extreme. Yet just we're bit, supposed yeah. to be the extreme ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, in, in uh, Pennsylvania, I came across an article that was about an Amish farmer who is facing big fines because he, he is a, a meat farmer. Mm-hmm. And um, naturally, they, they, they produce just regular grass-fed Beef, which is yeah. what the consumers that are buying that product want. They don't want all of the USDA GMOs uh, placed on it and all of that kind of thing. And so since he refused to go their process with, with the USDA, they sent armed marshals to his home, fined him, and uh, they they did an inventory of what he had to make sure that he doesn't produce any more. Wow. And. You know, they, they, the article talks about how farmers are being harassed like that all the time. And so they're going out of business. And we know that, you know, and that's mm. another thing that is creating food shortage. There are other countries that um, that don't get so extreme like we do. You know, they, I, I, in the article they were talking about in China and in Russia, they do have small farms all over the place, you know, and they feed a particular area. 
But yet, you know, of course, the, the name of the game with big government is centralize, 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 suck yeah, up yeah. everything, have power over everything, regulate everything. And, you know, I won't even go off on a tangent. I'm going to turn it over to you because I, I won't do it. But I think we all know and uh, that there is a link between the the GMOs that, the, that, that our government has been feeding us now for decades and the it, 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 that has impacted our children, our mm-hmm. health. Etc. So, you know, here this farmer, regular farmer is, um, you know, demonized because he won't treat them because, of course, the USDA says, if you don't do this, then you're hurting people. And scientifically, again, that is not true. But, you know, uh, that's a topic for another time. Yeah, one would think that uh, that his, um, I don't know whether it falls under organic, but it sounds like organic mm-hmm. uh, meat production would be preferred by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Who I'm sure are, would want to spend a lot of money to get that uh, without all the uh, chemicals and everything that's been given to the uh, given to the livestock. Absolutely. And another thing, I keep going back to every time we talk about the food production and everything. I keep going back to the movie Soylent Green and thinking, well, maybe that's more of a documentary than I thought it was going to be. And yes, and it seems like it's it seems like that's kind of the idea is is a massive food shortages and and uh, dystopia. But there's a lot of uh, players in this um, that you'll they'll hear a lot of times and a lot of a lot of. Um, a lot of things that uh, that keep coming up whenever you start to talk about climate, and and one of the big things is is the IPCC, the International Panel on Climate Change, and that's a UN based political committee. And it's important to remember that it is a committee comprised of, of course, the UN members, and they discuss, report, and advise on the climate. And there's there's reports that they come out with. Uh, seems like every year. I think it's about every year that. Um, that say that you know the Earth is warming and here's what we're going to do about it and we've mm. come up with these with these agreements and and whatnot. But for that report to be produced, then it takes months because all the various members have to get together and agree on the language that's going to be used in the in the report. They have to agree on the uh, the outcomes, the goals, and and basically agree on on what what the studies that they're taking into consideration actually say, so they can uh, they can all agree and and have one one report on this. Mm-hmm. So if if the U.S. has a different view than uh, than another country or you know uh, several countries you know have different views and they have to come together and hammer out the language in order to to uh, to fit whatever narrative they're all trying to um, to create here. Yeah. So it's not it's not a as as I'm sure most people would think that it would be a uh, something where they they study the climate, they get all kinds of of advice, and they come out with a report, and it's you know it's purely factual and and all mm-hmm. like that. No, this this has to go through committees and everything uh, so that everyone agrees on this. Yeah. And another and every, one. Yeah, and everyone agreeing really means everyone saying the same thing. You know, it's right, it's exactly yeah, it's, that that it really is. It's it's very COVID esque, you know. All yeah. of us say this, and if you don't, you're an outlier. That's it. Exactly, and we can't have any outliers. We have to provide this unified front. So mm-hmm. we're gonna. Otherwise, we're gonna, you're a bigot, and you're stupid, and you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So yeah. In order to in order to bring whatever whatever that statement is in line, then we have to go and hammer out a bargain so that they're happy mm-hmm. with the report and everyone else yeah. is happy with the report and. And so it's uh it's just a political thing. Um, I in my opinion shouldn't really be should not really be relied upon for um I don't know for advice for guidance on on how to do this. Well, any time to me, like any time a bunch of quote experts that are in charge of you know that that that, that do drive policy etc. go mm-hmm. into uh, some large building for months at a time, hold up together, and you hear nothing about it other than this is what they've produced. Yes. I, I, again, you just don't trust it. You know, I, I love that, for instance, like Woody Harrelson said this week uh, with Bill Mayer, which I loved, he was talking about like big pharma and the government, which, mm-hmm. you know, to me, it's, it's all, it all goes hand in hand with the same thing. And he's like, you know, I just don't consider them caring entities. <laughs> yeah, like when I, I'm, I'm not going to go to them to to make decisions that I truly believe are caring and good for me. It's 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 the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's um there's something about that when uh, like I say the the only result of this is a is a um, is a report. Mm-hmm. 
And speaking of reports, uh, there's the infamous Cook study, which has bothered me for years. It came out, I think, in 2013. Uh, this is the one that says that 97% of scientists agree that there's man-made climate change. It's been quoted endlessly as some sort of, uh, you know, guarantee that um, uh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, humans are definitely causing this, this whole thing. 97%, uh, folks, that's not hyperbole. Exactly. <laughs> we're not exaggerating by like a thousand percent either. It's not a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this one, um, oh man, it's it it's crazy how they came up with this. Uh, yeah, so this, I'm really interested in this. I'm looking forward to you walking through this because it, it it is it is fascinating and and it's it basically it's you know starts with a whole bunch of data and input and then yep. narrows it down to only what they want you to hear and and what they want you to know. You know, that's basically that's if, where if, we live if you were to do a, an executive summary of this, then that would be exactly what it would be. Just that one little sentence there. That mm. that's that's exactly what it is. It reportedly they say started out with over sixteen thousand papers uh, that they that they examined scientific uh, papers on climate change, and they whittled that down to eleven thousand nine hundred and forty four. They took out they had just over twelve thousand after they whittled it down from sixteen thousand, but then they took out the ones that weren't peer reviewed and and some other small stuff. The, that took it down to 11,944, which is still a fair amount. Uh, but during this study, uh, that's another one in air quotes, this mm -hmm. study, uh, they only looked at the abstracts of the papers. Uh, they didn't actually look at, at the, the underlying data. They didn't examine the methodology. They, they just looked at the abstracts, which is, um, if you've never read a scientific paper, that's basically the paragraph at the beginning that basically summarizes uh, the, whole, the whole study. So they, they only looked at the abstracts, and they, they enlisted a lot of volunteers, um, and these volunteers rated each paper's abstract in, into categories such as explicit endorsement of human-caused global warming, explicit rejection of human-caused global warming, um, undecided, and uh, there's, there's some other ones that they're like subcategories. Um, I just want to say that, the, again, tying it into the overall deception and corruption of things around us can you imagine the people that they choose to uh be uh report reviewers mm -hmm. probably like the same as the people who counted ballots you yeah, know probably uh, not tell too me far about your ideology that. and uh, if it matches what i want to hear you have this job <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and they even interestingly enough even in um in the paper that they um uh, you know, I read the paper and uh, the Cook study paper, and in that they even said that yeah, there's there's probably some bias in here from the people who are categorizing this kind of stuff. Uh, so so yeah, there's uh, there would definitely be bias in there, and there, there's even one volunteer who boasted that she could read and rate fifty abstracts a night, which um, I do, I don't remember uh, speed being a um, uh, you know something you necessarily look for as yeah. a something in, in the scientific method. Yeah. Um, <laughs> scientific method. <laughs> of the 11,944 papers that they did this study with, only the 4,014 that took a position on human-caused global warming were considered. And the rest of the uh, 7,000 or 8,000 papers took no position on human-caused global warming. They just basically said that, uh, you know, they're, they're basically studying it and here's the facts and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So of those 4,014, 3,896, which is 97.1%, endorsed mm -hmm. human-caused global warming. And the other 40 of those were inconclusive. Uh, so they just, you know, they just looked at it and said, I, uh, you know, it, it, could be, it could be one way or the other. We don't have enough evidence. Yeah. But, you know, uh, here's another interesting fact, and not to steal your facts, but then I see here that there were overall, if you did consider all of the 11,944 papers, mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of it all, only 32% of the abstracts actually endorsed human-caused global warming. But yep. they omitted, 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 culled, you know, the, the sample size, basically, I mean, for lack of a better yep, way to yep, put yep. it, until it made it so that 97%. Uh, so it's really yeah, exactly. hard because it's like, you know, how can we live in this world with each other in society? We're trying to have conversations. We're trying to learn and discern, you know, trust and, and verify. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff that allows them to push so hard 
and and just completely like you know marginalize or discount huge swaths of people because right. you know the, i mean of course if you're the you know i mean 97 percent of scientists and 97 percent of the research performed supports this you're a problem and you don't <laughs> yeah. care enough about this you know and like but but actually that's not the fact you know so it's like they're it's so sick, the manipulation of things that are happening to bring this about. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you have a good idea, you don't need to do things like this. When something right, right. is actually good for people, you don't go this route. So that in itself, you'd think would tell people, you know, this is nuts and ridiculous and a lie. But- right, right. And and we sh- I, I completely agree. We should take into account, for instance, in this study, the 7,930 that uh, took no position, and the and all the rest that that um, said it was inconclusive. That you know maybe we should look at that. Maybe we should do more research on that instead of just declaring the the debate over. Because ninety seven percent of scientists who who wrote papers that said that uh, that uh, global warming was human caused think that global warming is human caused, and that's basically what it comes down to. And and also there's. Um, I think technically it should be that uh, that if you want to say the ninety seven percent, if you want to attribute that to anything, it should be ninety seven percent of papers, because there were twenty nine thousand and eighty three authors of those eleven thousand nine hundred forty four papers. So, oh, interesting. Um, so really, like three authors practically for each paper. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. so it could be that it could be that uh, you know some of these had uh, had one or two authors, and then the ones that. Um, did not endorse um, human-caused global warming or mm-hmm. um, or, Might or silent like on that matter. They could have yeah. had twenty. So it could be that it could be that uh, you know, let's say twenty percent of of um, of uh, scientists, climate scientists, think that it's it's uh, human-caused global warming, and and you know, the other eighty percent either don't know or think it's it's not. Uh, so it's kind of a technicality there, but that's uh, that that study has always just annoyed me in the in the methodology and and everything. Yeah. They, it just doesn't seem like they uh, they went to a lot of um, rigorous scientific debate on that yeah. one, and it's been criticized since then as well. Well, I'm glad that it's being criticized. I, you know what what bothers me about knowing things like this is that you know, and and maybe I'm just becoming entirely too jaded. What bothers me is I fear that. People like regular people like you and I just read the headline and that's mm-hmm. it. And and we we base all of our beliefs and everything that we we go off into the public and spout and and argue with our family and neighbors about and things like that based on some headline and mm-hmm. you know and, and, and what the, the the loud quote majority that, that you think is the majority is saying instead of digging into it a little bit. And understanding, am I being sold a pack of lies? Are mm-hmm. they manipulating this in some kind of way to bring about uh, a behavior from me or a reaction from me or to keep me quiet, to get me to go along? You know, I, I, you have to pick apart, you know, did, did was everything considered or were only some things considered? You know, it's just, it, it's that kind of thing that I just really hope that all of this that's going on in our world right now is 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 sparking the curiosity of people who may have been asleep for a while and and that that worries me greatly and i you know i, I want to believe that there are people that are waking up every second you know yeah, and i yeah. hope that's the case but th- cuz this is just this is the kind of thing that should wake you up it should yeah once you start to look into this and and get behind get beyond the headlines like you say mm-hmm. that a lot of people would would look at and say ah Ninety-seven yeah. percent of of uh, climate scientists think that uh, the Earth is warming and it's human caused. Well, that uh, there you go. That's yep. better. Go that's buy just an electric car. Better not yep, drill go. for any more oil. Better not. Yep. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but so, yeah, speaking of the headlines, yeah, let's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the speaking of the headlines, there's a certain uh, Swedish teenage girl who we haven't heard from in a while. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry to say that. It's just, I, I, I didn't understand. I really didn't. that Because maybe I wasn't paying enough attention back then when she cropped up onto the scene. But I'm like, I'd see her and I'd be like, who is this? Why is this? Why is this such a thing? Like you've got like a, a petulant child with a cool accent. I'll give her that. 
up <laughs> here lecturing us all on you know uh, it's it just this this crazy moral psychotic you know uh, I, I don't even know how to put it you know yeah don't you care yeah so. that's uh greta van doomsburg yeah <laughs> But I guess she since apparently since she turned eighteen, then she's no longer useful to the narrative. So we that that might be why we haven't heard from her in a while. Yeah, I guess she's uh, no longer know, technically a child. Yeah, because that's what tugs on your heartstrings or makes you feel guilty, or it's just that that's the thing. I hate the manipulation. Yeah, and it, yeah. And, and that's the thing about it. Like in your normal life, when you're being manipulated one on one, whether it be a, by a bad friend bad relationship i don't know Mm -hmm. a sibling a parent you know somebody that's trying to you pick up on that immediately yeah you know why do we not do that when it's when it's a massive entity manipulating us why oh oh, well i better trust that yeah exactly i i i don't know why that is but um uh, but yeah it's it's crazy And, and you're right it's just it's just emotional manipulation one of the most ridiculous policies i think that's out there right now um is this the the California uh, ban of gas powered cars by 2035. I think yeah, that's that nuts. Is. Um, I I think that in in Virginia, I believe that Young is Youngkin is pushing back against it. I oh, think there good. are um, uh, 17 states that are supposed to follow the California model, and I believe Virginia is one of them. So you know yeah, we Virginia's- were like kind of automatically sucked into that 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 ban, and he's. Trying to get us out of it. Yeah, uh, Maryland is another. I I checked the list just to mm-hmm. be sure, and and sure enough, Maryland is another. Pennsylvania, Delaware, I think, are also in there, but West Great. Virginia is not. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's where you go to buy your gas powered cars in um in a few years. Yeah, well, it just is nuts because you know when you think about something, I think that we talked about it recently. Whether it was on on our last podcast, we touched on it, or we just were talking about it in passing. They've already like you know there was the big joke about Newsom sitting in his fleece warm up suit, uh, talking about how folks need. We just everyone's going to have to do their part, and from the hours of four p.m. to nine p.m., just crank your air conditioning up. Don't use it, and, or, or keep it high enough that it, you know it doesn't come on and conserve energy, and all, because the, the grid was too taxed at that time. They told people not to charge their electric cars. So mm-hmm. you know these things are happening. The grid is failing for even what you expect it to be able to do now. Yeah. And then you you think that in a mere thirteen years you're gonna you're gonna completely do away with gas powered vehicles. Yeah, and go one hundred percent to electric. Yeah, it's always the the most extreme thing that that can happen, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's simply not any easing, and so you know the the other thing that um, that bothers me about it as as far as um, the 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 environmental implications is my understanding is that the mining for uh, the batteries and everything is 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 massively um, resource intensive and bad for mm-hmm. the environment. We don't fully know oh, yeah. how to recycle the batteries yet, although I do see a lot of progress being made in that. And pr- there should be progress, you know. If, yeah, yeah. What is it? You know, we need that innovation. That should be looked into. But, you know, setting these things up, it always feels like cart before the horse and just more control and insanity. Oh, totally. Yeah, we can recycle small amounts, not a whole battery or anything, but in laboratory mm-hmm. conditions, we can recycle small amounts of batteries. But we're not at the point where we have a machine where you can shove a an actual whole car battery into a machine and out the other end comes all the component parts that you can reuse. We're just not at that point yet. And, mm-hmm. and it's so resource intensive that it takes 500,000 gallons of water to make one ton of lithium. So I think I calculated every Tesla has like... Uh, it took 36,000 gallons of water to make the lithium in a, you know, in your average electric car, for instance. Uh, So that's, that's a lot. And some of these places like the Atacama Desert in South America, uh, you know, there's, um, it takes a lot of water, but there's, uh, there's some villages in the desert that obviously rely on that water. So you're taking it Mm -hmm. out, out of their, their supply. Uh, It's, it seems that everyone, um, and many other places in the world that you could, uh, mine lithium are against it as well. So they, they don't oh, want yeah. it in their place. But of course, you know, the Congo is so dirt poor and, you know, the the, the, the government doesn't mind oppressing the people and, you know, mm-hmm. ruining things at all. They don't have any real means to be prosperous, you know. 
Um, the, and of course everybody's the okay who, with it happening there. Yeah, yeah. The but, people who drive your your fancy schmancy electric cars yeah. over here, uh, they they don't think about all the all the poor people in the Congo yeah. who had to had to, you know, go out there with a shovel and and mm-hmm. mine this stuff. China doesn't want it in their in their places in their country. Because they're okay with just making money off of, you know, what's going on in the Congo or anywhere else. Oh, yeah. South America yeah. doesn't want it. We have been considered uh, <laughs> opening it up in the U.S., which yep. obviously MOP, most people are opposed to. Right. Portugal and Germany uh, have, have opposed it. So Yeah, all these all these places, they, they want to drive the electric cars, but they don't want a lithium mine anywhere nearby. Good and point. even the European Union is considering declaring lithium as a health hazard to humans. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, that's going to jack up the cost because if you yeah. got to, you know, have more safety regulations and that's, that's just going to add more cost to this. Yeah, but it also really tells you how, I mean, if, if, if there is such a hazard like that and you know darn mm-hmm. well that's not being considered in current conditions. Oh, yeah. Then, you know, how can that, that group keep claiming to be the ones that are... Uh, you know, the, always the moral high ground and caring so much about humanitarian crises and environmental crises, all these things, and they care so deeply. And y- there are children mining this stuff in these ridiculously hazardous conditions. It's 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 filthy and sick. And I'm sure all these people in the in the Congo who are mining this don't have all the protective equipment and everything. Yeah, and it's just like I said, it's just, you know, it's something that somehow has become this thing in our in our society these days where it's yet another thing that we can look at about each other when we're at mm-hmm. odds or have a difference in, you know, the climate change policy, for instance. And, you know, I'm a bad guy because I think it's, you know, too much too fast and yeah. uh, there are, there are um, factors about it that, that lend it to a larger governmental change and you know i see this as part of the whole great reset and the whole nine yards and i'm the problem you know (laughs) you and elon musk too are the problem yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's you know the the uh the guy who's who's uh been the most successful at creating electric cars thinks maybe we should keep the gas for a while yeah i mean and talk about somebody (laughs) that has something to gain yeah (laughs) even even being that honest but so anyhow yeah it makes me think, when was this not a crisis? I mean, not not in my lifetime. I, it seems like throughout my whole life, this has been a crisis of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not as big of a crisis as it is now, but it's been a, a concern, let's say. I've read that in the, in the 70s, we we're talking about global cooling. Then now we're talking about global warming. So I wonder what's happened in the past, you know, 40, 50 years. And we know that there's cycles within cycles. The cycles add and subtract and everything like that. So you get you get times in the Earth uh, that's well documented when it's when it's warmer than it has been uh, now, and it's it's obviously been colder. There's been ice ages and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's been many ice ages. Even uh, when was it in the 1700s or something like that? There was a, there was a mini ice age. There's been hot periods. There's been there's been fast warming. There's been fast cooling. You know, it always hasn't always been. Um, you know, sunny and 72 degrees every single day for the four and a half billion years of the I Earth. I was going to say, the planet is very old. <laughs> the planet is very old. Yeah, yeah. it hasn't, hasn't always been, you know, perfect climate conditions like, like, you, like you're thinking about now. And even reputable sources disagree on whether there's actually warming happening. And it reminds me that I don't know whether I ever mentioned it to one of the red pills I got, you know, a few years ago was a friend of mine sent me an email and it had three studies, three climate studies that were linked to, uh, from reputable Reputable sources too, or at least I would consider them pretty reputable, like NASA and mm-hmm. uh, NOAA, and uh, seemed like there was one in Europe or or somewhere like that. I don't remember exactly which one they which ones uh, they were, but they they seemed to be pretty reputable. And one of them said that that the Earth is warming, and one of them said the Earth is cooling, and one of them said that on average uh, the Earth is pretty much staying the same temperature. And I was thinking, oh wait a minute, well you're you're taking you're taking uh, all these observations of the same place, you know, Earth. Yeah. And the Earth. <laughs> you're coming to three conclusions here, at three different conclusions, authoritatively coming to three different conclusions, I might say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was like, well, that that doesn't uh, that doesn't seem like there's any kind of uh, doesn't uh, seem like something that should warrant making a massive blanket policy 
change to force everybody into you know one solution. Right. Exactly. If, yeah. the, if the science isn't isn't the same, you know, I hate to say that you know there's no consensus on the science, but if the if three different uh, scientific establishments can come up with three different conclusions, then mm-hmm. uh, then you know what what's actually happening here. And some yeah, even and- say that there hasn't even been any warming since uh, since the nineties. Uh, some people say that there's that those charts you see uh, where the the temperature's been slowly going up for the past 150 years. They say that's mm-hmm. skewed. They put in some kind of uh, some kind of factor in there, and and that became skewed. But it's interesting because it brings you back to what you just talked about with that report and the method by which they come up with the 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 97 percent of people agree this is a problem. Of, of scientists yeah. agree this is a problem. So you're you're talking about. There was a time in your life that you read, you looked into this and found three different, uh, you know, three opposing views, all by reputable sources. So it sounds valid, you know. I it mean, does, you know, yeah. these, this is this is scientific debate, you know. This is this is the method, and mm-hmm. you know, but it 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 really does seem to me that we have reached this shift in the way things are uh, managed by our great leaders. That it's almost like they decided, well, how can we do away with that so that mm-hmm. doesn't happen anymore? And let's funnel it into the narrative that supports our global change that they're, you know, the, the Great Reset, the Green New Deal, frankly, socialism as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And even uh, ocean levels, you know, we're, we're all told that the oceans, the ocean level is rising. And then, you know, however many years we're all going to be underwater. So um, all the coastal cities will be underwater. But uh, ocean levels have been rising at a pretty steady three millimeters per year. It's been going on for, for a pretty long time. And as far as we can tell, it'll continue to do so. Uh, there's, uh, you know, glaciers are melting. Uh, so that, that, might affect uh, the uh, uh, the ocean levels and everything, mm-hmm. but but for now it's it seems to be a pretty steady three millimeters per year. Uh, there's no need to sell your your oceanfront housing right now, or at least not not anytime soon. And some cities are seeing a greater apparent rising. Like I think Boston's one of them. Miami, I'm sure, is another one of these because you don't think about it, but cities are really heavy and they they're pressing on the earth, and the earth is is sinking slightly at these locations. Uh, so it appears if you were to stick a, you know, a, a, a ruler in, you know, in the water, you know, decades ago, then you would see that that the that the water level is rising at these locations. But the but the land is sinking and the and the oceans are rising slightly. So it appears that um, if you measure it at these locations and the uh, then the water's rising faster and more than you'd think it is. But it's kind of a uh, something that's not uh, doesn't seem to always be taken into consideration. The very fact that, like, when I go to D.C., for instance, which thank God is not very often anymore, but they're just building and building and building and building and building. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I'm sure D.C. is another one of those that that uh, you could mm-hmm. probably you know make the case for that it's sinking slightly and water levels rising and everybody's freaking out because it's. It's uh, well, rising at a at a high rate. Yeah, and, and I'll say this about that. I, I think I think it's been said over and over by the sources that you and I listen to. If uh, if like if ocean levels rising was truly a concern, would all the elites have their coastal homes? No, they they'd long ago moved to somewhere in the mountains. That's right. you know, a couple thousand feet up, so they'd be yeah. they'd be and protected. I'm sure they have both, or intend to, you know, whatever the case. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be putting my uh, my money into oceanfront property if I thought there was some kind of imminent threat. Right. So at least they're not seeing it in their lifetimes. Yeah. Or if you, you know, I mean, again, like if if you truly are trying to lead by an example and and something you actually believe in. Mm-hmm. That is not what they display. The hypocrisy of it, you know, is 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 disgusting. And I, I was uh, watching a really great segment on with Larry Kudlow not long ago, and he was, you know, saying that um, the the fact that it is such a the, the radical left's climate change agenda, the way he calls it, they want high prices and they aren't really interested in solving the problems, um, you know, because they'd be okay with with. You know, gas-powered cars going away, for instance, that the, the big mm-hmm. idea that, oh, well, it'll just get so expensive or it'll get so difficult or we'll just put policies in place that it becomes completely impossible to own a fuel, uh, you know, a, a gas-powered car. Um, 
he was saying that it, it is ridiculous for one thing because natural gas is a clean burning fuel and that our oil production is the cleanest in the world, which we've talked about. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he also said that the tie into socialism is the way it is. It's just a perfect example of it being that it's central planning makes the government run the economy. You know, he was making the connection to Joseph Stalin saying, you know, nowadays you don't have to buy the steel mills the way you did under him. You do it all through these regulatory dictates of the executive branch. Ah, so that's interesting. You know, so you, you end up with the same thing, but come at it a different way. Not yeah. less overt, I guess. Right. And, you know, the the fact that he, he calls it such, you know, radical left and all that, that it made me want to check into um, Mark Levin's book, The American Marxism Book, because I was pretty sure he went into a lot of detail about this. And he does have an entire chapter on um, the, the climate fanaticism and compares it to this uh, degrowth movement, if you've heard of that. That sounds uh, very dystopian. Yeah. When we've talked before about people in Europe, you know, gathering around a flower pot to stay warm and that kind of thing, that's basically, you know, when you think degrowth, it he describes it, and, you know, I don't want to just read out of the book and be boring, but I really would urge people to get this book because it's really interesting. It goes through a lot of... A lot of, um, you know, political history, economic history, and gives you kind of an action plan on, you know, talking with people about this problem and what you can do mm -hmm. to try and get us out of this. It's a, it's a great book. But um, it, he explains that uh, there's an essay about degrowth uh, from the, the, the leading degrowthers, as they're called. Uh, there are four of them. And they wrote this essay indicating that degrowth was launched in the beginning of the 21st century as a project of voluntary societal shrinking of production and consumption aimed at social and ecological sustainability. So, it, you know, they go into a lot of detail about it, and, and be, you know, behind the, the degrowth movement is also expected to spawn these sub-movements all of which really align well with the the little the, the most radical left movements that you hear about today. Um, they talk about the uh, the 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 maximum earning. So uh, there's a maximum wealth. Wow, policy. maximum wealth. Yeah, as well as you know, we we of course have been hearing about the you know establishing the living wage and all mm -hmm. of that. Um, you know, for for some time, but they also support a maximum wealth and a maximum income to uh, weaken the envy as a possible motor of consumerism. They also mm -hmm. like open borders, so that's another radical left thing you hear about now, uh, uh, because yeah, yeah. they feel like it reduces the means to keep inequality between rich and poor countries. They also they, they agree with uh, redistribution um, and sharing and reduction of excessive incomes. Wow. Of excessive yeah. incomes is that? Mm. I guess that's part of the uh, the maximum wealth yeah. policy. And I and they get to decide what you know excessive is and all of that. <laughs> of course, but, of course. <laughs> well, and it's also it's so interesting because then I and, and then you know after this, then I started watching a, um, a a special that was it's called the um, the unauthorized history of socialism. It's a two part mm -hmm. series, and that's really interesting. And um, and in that, they talked about how when um, when socialism started kind of bubbling up again. In in popularity after mm -hmm. um, I guess the, I guess it was you know the end of the eighties when when we thought communism had fallen and wasn't going to happen again they said yeah, that yeah. Uh, w within no time at all um, I think uh, twelve countries in the EU in 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 Europe were governed with this democrat socialist way mm -hmm. and you know no matter how much the movement tried to you know gain a foothold. They always did acknowledge that they needed to have capitalism to fuel it. Ah, interesting. Yeah, capitalism that was is the is is fueling the socialist rise. Fund, yeah. it's funding the socialist empire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that something? Isn't it? And so that's you know where I you know when I think about what the heck we're doing here in this country, I'm like, uh, what is what is the end game? You know, yeah. I mean, once once you destroy capitalism, which is like effectively what what it seems like all of this keeps coming back to, you know, mm -hmm. these, these crazy regulations in the name of any new emergency, 
You know, yeah. that's that's the other thing that we've learned now that the the way they uh, use emergency powers and and govern what they call crises. You know, and and this is that's another thing about you know a socialism. Um, you know, radical social change and stuff like that is the need to have constant chaos and revolution against something. So to me, the climate thing is that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that is part of the potential next emergency right there. There's uh, theories out there, conspiracy theories, perhaps that, that said that, uh, you know, the COVID thing was a test run and the next thing is going to be a climate emergency or now they can just, now they, if it's not a climate emergency, they can just take that template that they, that mm-hmm. they uh, perfected with, with COVID and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, insert your crisis here. It's a uh, racial emergency or a climate emergency. It, yeah. And it's it's just constant. And, you know, the, the lies are all throughout it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think they would have kept the COVID thing going much longer if they had been able to. But I think there were just too many people asking questions and, you know, too many doctors, thank God, that, that were willing to come forward. So, oh, yeah. you know, and but but, you know, we knew and, and when I say we, you and I know that there's always going to be something else that's going to crop up because that's the way this happens in history, you yeah, know, and, yeah. you know, and you can look at various times in history and, and draw parallels. So I think we all knew another crisis was going to come. And, and hey, wasn't I just reading on, you know, Biden's campaign page about yep, yep. the existential threat? I mean, you know, the, the, the dramatic terms that they use for this for something that again to your point really isn't proven no no i hate to call isn't. myself a denier i know you know i'm gonna i'll be just wiped <laughs> off the face of the planet now i don't want to I'm, I'm not yep, a denier you're, uh, you're denying the uh, you're denying the climate change that's yeah. <laughs> always taking place called weather yeah. it's going to be warmer in the future it's going to be colder in the future well that was another thing that uh, mark levin went into in his book because he talked about how the the, the climate revolution kind of happened you know beginning in the 70s where it seems like everything was going on at that time mm-hmm. you yeah, know yeah. all of the greatest things that we now deal with that are totally blown out of proportion came from that era <laughs> so we can thank our parents i guess um i guess so yeah, but you know, there, there was like an entire line in in the book, just you know, global cooling slash global warming slash climate change slash this slash that, like you know, all of the names that it's been referred to mm-hmm. over this, you know, what is that then? Forty, fifty, fifty years. So anyway, yeah, yeah. And I was watching somebody the other day, and I can't remember who it was who went through all this kind of stepping backwards through the. Um, you know, through the news articles that, uh, you know, it was back in the early 2000s and, you know, they said there was going to be no ice at the at the North Pole. And then they stepped back another 10 years and there was another article that says, you know, we're, uh, by the time you reach the year 2000, then it's going to be, you know, it's going to be much hotter. And then you step back another 10 years and, and it just keeps going back to the you know, to the to the eighties and then the seventies and then the sixties and then the fifties mm-hmm. and, and they're making all these predictions. You know, back in the fifties they said, you know, by the time you get to the seventies and there's gonna be no civilization because there's gonna be no more food left because the climate ha- will have changed so much. And yeah. And here and, we and, are. And, and it's just odd because like you think about that, you can clearly track that over time, the the oh, number yeah. of times that things have changed and the fear always <laughs> that's what it is. It's always about guilt. Or fear, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's it's such a weird manipulation of emotions all the time, too, you know. But why are we able to see that and say it, and yet we find some people in our path today, what do they have to say about that? I mean, yeah, what is I it? Know. I mean, why is it not okay to ask questions and to question overall the government that keeps, you know, they, they keep getting it wrong on many things. We keep catching oh, yeah. them lying about a lot of things. We, mm-hmm. we, 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 we're seeing them make these really terrible decisions that are coming together to possibly, uh, you know, cause problems that we can't even uh, overcome. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's only like ridiculous things. And, and seeming like they do it on purpose. Exactly. Like that's their so, goal. Yeah. And so, you know, what, how, why is it a leap to not want to question anything that they say anymore and think about how can this fit into a bigger picture where it seems like they're like absolutely hell bent on destroying us? You got to so, think sometimes that there's something going on. It reminds me of, of a guy named Cliff Mass, and you should look up some of his stuff. He talks about the, talks about the climate kind of in a questioning way as well. 
And uh, he has what, uh, what he calls a golden rule of climate extremism. And he says, the more extreme a climate or weather record is, the greater the contribution of natural variability. So if it were, you know, if it were human caused, uh, then it would be kind of a slow, steady increase. But if it's, if it's a, um, you know, something, something big that happens all of a sudden, then it's probably a, uh, you know, some sort of a natural occurrence. Like, for instance, the hurricane that is, uh, that is now ravaging Florida and heading up this way here. You know, I, I, it, it only took me like three or four articles reading about that to get to the, uh, to the one person who says that, uh, why haven't we taken the climate seriously? And if we had, then all these people in Florida wouldn't be on the edge of dying because they're because the uh, the hurricane's coming. Because somehow we As, could have changed that. Because we, somehow we could have changed that. And apparently, since the last hurricane hit Florida, then we should have paid attention, and then we could have changed our ways, and then we could have prevented this one somehow. You know, I, that, that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, if anything, I can see how uh, the, the big disaster in Texas last year. Was that last mm-hmm. year? Yeah. I, I that think the, the I ice can storm? See, yeah. That yeah. I can see being something like that was a totally freak occurrence, but we did learn a lot and we can, you know, uh, react better next time by, you know, having the, you know, the grid more able to sustain or, you know, not relying on those turbines that freeze up or whatever the case is. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see how there'd be any way that you could prevent a hurricane. I, I have no idea. You know, I, but, but, so, yet the, but, but yet this, uh, whoever it was went on for paragraphs and paragraphs about how, uh, how were we we should have we should have seen this coming and we and if we'd only acted sooner we could have prevented hurricanes and this is clearly a uh clearly a sign of of the climate changing yeah whereas it's just natural i mean there's natural some years variability. where there's hardly any hurricanes yeah. yeah the greater the contribution of that natural variability so it'll be interesting to see, you know i don't know what you know what factors came together to make this particular hurricane you yeah, know, I don't know. The, the 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 impact that it is and yeah, it's just, you know, it's yet another thing that it's, you know, you, you'd like to say perhaps they just haven't thought it forward, but then you realize, oh, they have. Yeah, They're they just have. okay this with is, the outcome. And yeah, then that's the, the thing plan. about like a crazy ideologue. And, and, and that's what they say about the left. To them, the ends justify the means, period. It has right. to be, it will be, and that is all. And Bjorn yeah. Lumberg said that... Uh, he said, "Inflation Reduction Act's effects on climate is indistinguishable from zero. Yeah. So there's that tells you that tells you that tells you everything right there. Mm-hmm. It just we just spent a whole bunch of money because we're um, you know also in addition to many bad ideas we we're also tanking our own economy. Yep. Almost time to vote, people. What do we have? Forty days or so? Something like that. Yep. We're, we're getting close. We're getting so close. What, yep. This has been another exciting discussion." Of small talk, small government, crazed climate administrations don't equal small government. 